Who's that? Got a false start. Then I look up, and Scott runs out of the control room, then through the window of, of, of the talk studio. I see him running from left to right, yep. then right to left. Yep. Then he kicks the door open to the control room. They kick it open. What was that about? I forgot my headphones. Are you heavy right now? Just kind of. I did do a spin class this morning. <laughs> you doing that thing right now? Yeah. All right. Let me know when you're okay. You're I'm good. Right? I'm good. Yeah. All right. By the way, I saw you had another fast food breakfast. I did. Yeah. I've not had time to go grocery shopping. Is that from the chick? Yep. Okay. We didn't talk yesterday about your bagels and donuts. Correct. Yeah. You're right, though? Which I've learned is uh, apparently enough to feed a family of four. No, no. I just, well, I mean, you got a bagel with cream cheese, which I don't think you enjoyed the amount of cream cheese that was on it. And that place usually stiffs you on cream cheese. No, where they're stiffing me is the fact that I don't think the bagel is toasted. Oh. And then I just said, when you get two donuts, that's like, eh. When you go three, it's kind of like, whoa. But you could eat 15 donuts and it, it won't put four ounces on you, so it doesn't matter to you. But the thing is, I also eat all of that from the time I get here through the show, so it's not like I'm eating all three donuts in one commercial break. It's a lot of donut. It's though. a lot of donut, a lot yeah. That's why so you got to wash it down. Okay. But it doesn't matter. You don't put weight on, so it's okay with you. Your body has a certain uh, makeup that mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter for other people. It's like you're looking at Kevin from the office going, you know, maybe the third donut wasn't needed today. Yeah. Possibly we put that down. You know, so happy Wednesday and welcome, everybody. It's a movie Wednesday. It is a movie Wednesday. I cannot wait. You don't even know what I did for. Well, I sent you something for movie Wednesday. Yes. Do you want me to tell you now? You want me to save it? Save it. No, save it. Okay. It's better tease that way. Wait, I hope I did save it. Do I have it here? Uh, oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I threw it out. Um, so we'll get to that a little bit uh, later on in the uh, program. Um. I did have a spin class today. Hey. 5.45, let's go. Okay, but don't you feel, like, really good? I, I tell you what, when I run in the morning, mm-hmm. there's the moment that when you go to bed at night, you're like, oh, gosh, it's like five hours I'm getting up. And then when you get up, but then when you commit to go, and then you do the workout, don't you feel great when you're done? Here's the thing. All I can think of... Like, I'm better than those Army commercials. We do more before 9 a.m. than you do. Like I, I mean, when I come into the office and I've already got eight miles on my watch, I'm like, yeah, I'm better than the rest of the world right now. Take this with a double bird. But the thing is, <laughs> I just think I could still be asleep for another hour. Yeah, but you're maximizing the day. You're maximizing the day. You're not going back day. today again, are you? Yeah. You are? Oh, because you paid for it, right? Well, they're doing, so I, th- I don't know if I told you, they're doing a challenge, the Monster Marathon Challenge. Of course they are. So no, honestly, no. These are very. I I love when they do these. I've participated in as many of them as I can. Mm-hmm. But over a week, you have to do five forty-five minute rides, two sixty-minute rides, and one seventy-five minute ride. What is this for a participation pin, or what are you getting here? Uh you get entered in a chance to win if you complete it. Uh, you have a chance uh, at a free month of un- un- unlimited rides. Okay. And then you can purchase a T-shirt. Whoa! If that doesn't make you get up and do it, I don't know what does. But, okay. I, I, I talked to Kelly about this. 
Uh, I want to get his opinion on this. And as a workout aficionado as you are, what do you think about we're all leaving the class and one of the uh, people that, that took the class goes up to the instructor and goes, how come we didn't work out the triceps today? What's no, I don't like that. Right? Yeah. I right? Don't like that guy. Go work out your triceps on your own, pal. Well, it's also... Go look up and see what you, you know, for, for your body. It's also the instructors say, you don't have to do what I yeah. say. You can do whatever you want on the bike. Yeah. Hmm. I, almost, I almost harmed myself working out yesterday. Too aggressive? No. Well, uh, so nobody cares. But outside, uh, I mean, certain days I, I, I'll use my free weights. Other days I have the elastic the bands. Uh, band. Nice. And and or, or resistance jump bands, ropes. Yeah. Okay. And this one tension rope I'd really like for a variety of reasons, and it snapped. Ooh. And my right hand Ooh. almost cold cocks me in the face. Yeah. It comes up and and like wow. And there's that brief moment you're like, yeah, I just ripped it. <laughs> no, no, that's not one of those you're proud of moments, Mark. That's more of the, I'm uh, glad I wasn't seriously then, hurt. No, then I used a, 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 another level it? of, and like, what's this? You get used to that. So anyway, uh, on our Wednesday program uh, today, several things going on. We'll talk to Keith Smith, a little bit of NBA basketball. Actually, it'd be all NBA basketball when Keith's on with us at about the ten seventeen. Robert Rayola, the sports tax man. Uh, he's our kind of go-to money guy. In all of the pay-for-play NIL world, who's actually policing this stuff? Who has any idea? I mean, it's one thing if famed company gives athlete money to endorse product. Eh, there's going to be a paper trail there. But collectives? Claiming 501c status? Who Who's policing any of that stuff? And Robert will have some insight as to what may be happening and not happening. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. A movie Wednesday coming up on the program today. A couple of other things. We dropped a, a, a Timo Town Hall podcast. Yes! Uh, which is our partnership with UCF and iHeart. So Terry Mahajra and I sit down. We do this at least once a month, but it's been, I think, maybe six weeks since we did the first one because we were going to record and then a hurricane came. Then the next week we still were dealing with the hurricane and UCF was rescheduling their football game. Uh, and then Terry got called out of town for business-related reasons, so we got to sit down on Monday. And um, Terry's great. I mean, he really opens up about a lot of things, and we touched on everything from Brad Yormark's visit today and uh, conference officials, which was pretty interesting. I'm going to talk about that a little bit coming up. Uh, people, some not happy with parking in 2023 at football games. We talked about that, and uh, it's really good. So I hope you'll click on that. Scott, where can they find that? You can go uh, search UCF Knights podcast mm-hmm. uh, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you find your podcast, or you go on to 969thegame.com. Uh, on the left-hand side, you'll see podcasts. You click that, and then, boom, it lists all of our station podcasts, and there is uh, UCF Knights podcast there as well. Plus, I tweeted it out on both of my uh, Twitter accounts. You can Plus, Mark it. tweeted out on both of his accounts. There you go. And you know what? Go there, listen. Leave a five-star rating. Helps with uh, rankings. Plus, a column today. I love this column. Not a column. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a ranking. And I did it just for Scott. Mm-hmm. You could say I was lazy, didn't write a column today, but 
you did a ranking. You know how hard that is? Was it good? You had to count, first of all. How excited were you? And then you, you had to put things in order. I was very, I was very excited. Right? Yes. You had fun with that, right? You looked and go, wow, yeah, that's funny. So check that out. Um, top sports Halloween names. Mm-hmm. Athletes whose name fits with Halloween. Yes, Boo Weekly is in the poll. I mean, it's in the ranking. Yes, and I will have no debate about number one. None. I will not hear any of it. It was a great number one. You know what I'm most proud of with that? What's that? No research, no nothing. Off the top of your head? Just wrote down names, had 19 names, and picked the top ten. It's just like you with the... Uh... I don't want to be influenced by somebody online that did some you know, ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, just sat down last night and, and just started thinking of names and stopped at 19. Could have gone more, but I go, no, I'll pick 10 from here. And that's what I did. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what I watched last night, I was doing some football prep. I watched the Rangers lose in a shootout to Colorado. Happens sometimes. That was a tough loss. I had a power play in overtime, four and three, and couldn't score. Um, and then I watched basketball. I didn't stay up to watch Clay Thompson be a tough guy and try to go after Devin Booker with 18 people in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. He just doesn't. He doesn't convey that at all. But then after he got tossed, pointing to his ring finger, like you don't have one of these, on the way out. He's not wrong. No, but yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, and I am convinced now that Charles Barkley has his new deal. Mm-hmm. That, and and he can get away with it. He'll melt even more. Oh, yeah. He brought up several things, both at halftime of the uh, uh, Pelicans game uh, against the Mavs, and then between that game and the Warriors-Suns game, where Ernie and Kenny and Shaq are just correcting him, and he's like, all right, whatever. (laughs) So what? Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, you guys know what I meant, right? I mean, you know what I meant. I told you. It's all good. Mark, how long have you been saying this, though, about that show? All of them are phoning it in. Uh, Except well, I, no, I don't. I, uh, the only one that I think watches, well, the one that watches more basketball is, I, I think Kenny watches more. Correct. I think Shaq and Charles. They're, they show up. Do not watch uh, anything other than the games that they're in the studio working. I don't think they're watching a lot of basketball. Yeah, I mean, like, I know we used to hold it in this highest esteem, and it's still a very good show. It's very entertaining. But it's like, how entertaining can it be if now they're making, what, he's Bark is making, what, $10 million a year? Oh, at least. Yeah. And he can't name half the players in the league? But, but here's my argument back to you. I don't think most of the audience disagrees with your, and to a degree, my mm. view of what we just said about following basketball. Yeah. I think it's a compliment to the show and its success is that people tune in for the personalities and all the other stuff Correct. that takes yes. place on the show. Yes. You know? I mean, not comparing the two by any means, I get some people that tell me this is their favorite segment of the show right now, of you and I just BSing. Screw the rest of the sports <laughs> stuff. But, uh, no, I, and, and sometimes people like to just peel behind the curtain and just get the personalities of people, and I do yeah. think that's what works for that show. It's not that they can't address some serious basketball stuff. It's not that all of them can't go into the history of their careers and talk about their experiences, but yeah, a little bit different. Um, when we come back, uh, I want to play a clip of a college coach that I thought did several things, including show a level of arrogance 
and compare it to something that happened in our state, I'll make sense of that when the beat of sports on a Wednesday continues next. The album was okay. It's a pretty good song. Badlands from The Boss. This is before he went. This is when he was Silver Springsteen. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the Beat of Sports is brought to you by Seminole Power Sports. We're number one in fast fun. Reinhardt Road in Sanford and Highway 441 in Eustis. Online at SeminolePowerSports.com. Headed towards the holiday season. It's okay to treat yourself. Visit our friends at Seminole Power Sports. Um, I did mention to Mike before I get into the other college football story I wanted to touch on. And that podcast I did with Terry Mahajer, which we call Timo's Town Hall, episode two, is available now. Uh, I asked Terry about one of my big pet peeves, why we have conference officials in college football. And as a former player and assistant coach, he gave good reasons why. Mm, okay. Even though I strongly oppose the idea of it, yeah. I respect him the football background to explain why. And I hope, among everything you listen to that podcast, it's only about 25 minutes, um, he makes some good points. I don't necessarily agree, but <laughs> he does make some good points about familiarity and accountability. Now, I don't argue that point within a conference. My argument's always been about non-conference games. Uh, why I bring my officials... And, and, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And I still think you can regionalize officiating of the best officials, get the highest grades, they get the best games, and, and so forth. But but he does push back, and he gives a pretty good explanation. So I hope you'll click on and uh, check that uh, out. I'm going to play a clip that I asked Scott to, to play that I sent him that uh, took place um, first on Saturday, but the clip that, that, that Scott's going to, play took place uh, yesterday from uh, a coach on Saturday in college football. A very lopsided football game saw Ohio State beat Iowa 54-10. to This season, Iowa has had games in which they have scored 7, 7, 27, 27, 14, 6, and 10. If you don't follow Iowa football, Kurt Ferentz is the longest-tenured coach in the country. And his son, Brian Ferentz, is his offensive coordinator. And as one can imagine, uh, and, and Brian Ferentz became the OC in 2017. And as one can imagine, when the offense is putting up the numbers that Iowa is, a fan base is calling for whose head? The offensive coordinator. Well, the offensive coordinator is the coach's son. Kind of see where I'm going in our state years ago. Mm-hmm. But but after the game, uh, Kurt Ferentz, in meeting with the media, was fielding questions, as he has done throughout this season, about Iowa's anemic offense. And is he going to make a change? And he dealt with a series of questions from a Ohio-based columnist, writer, 
in a Doug uh, Lemarius. And Lemarius has big following and covers Ohio State and covers the Browns and so forth. So he's asking a bunch of questions of Kurt Ferentz, and Ferentz didn't take kindly to the questions. Kurt Ferentz was asked about the criticism of his program and his offense, and here's his comment at his weekly press conference in which he brings up Doug's line of questioning and listen closely. It started. Uh, I complimented the guys on Sunday, just you know, because um, during the questioning, uh, and in some cases interrogation on Saturday that I, I uh, uh, experienced. And the one good thing about that, it dawned on me coming home. You know, I said, "Man, as bad as today was, it could have been worse." Because I could have been that guy. You know, I could have been that guy, like had his job and had to act like he did. So, yeah could be a hell of a lot worse right things aren't all bad uh so but one thing i did on sunday was just compliment uh, our players the way they've handled it's not fun to stand up in front of a you know tough questions when you when you went through a loss like we did our guys handle it with a lot of class and uh, they stand up and stand up for each other so i think that just you know it, it, uh, it's worth complimenting our guys i think it's uh, genuine it's who they are and my experience and we've been through you know two loss streaks or three loss streaks last four years we've we've experienced either two or three in, in all four of the seasons. And the only way I know to come out of it is everybody's just got to work hard, and it does take leadership. It takes ownership, and that's coaches and players. And uh, it ain't just going to happen if the, if the coaches are the only ones invested, then you're, you're out of luck. But, you know, we've been fortunate four years in a row. We've had really good teams here, good character teams, and I uh, feel that way about these guys. I've felt good about these guys since we started in January. And, you know, I can't predict what's going to happen record-wise moving forward, but I, you know, I think we'll keep pushing, keep working, and that's that's what we're seeing at least uh, right now is two. Uh, Kurt Ferentz is 67 years old. He makes uh, $7 million. And he's been the head football coach at Iowa since 1999. There's been pressure on Kurt Ferentz in recent years for some off-the-field issues. Iowa sits at 3-4 and four this year. A couple things about what he did right there. One, it's a veteran move. And quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WDYGM, Orlando, WJR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, the Beat of Sports. It's a veteran move, and hey, I'll take the heat, okay? I mean, our players, they handled it well, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the heat. Well, when you're paid significant dollars, you have earned, in the industry that you're in, you, I mean, you've earned that. Uh, you don't just walk with no experience. Somebody goes, here, why don't you be among the highest paid at what you do? So Kurt Ferentz has done something in the eyes of the people in Iowa to, to make that kind of money. Well, with that comes accountability. Now, you may not like it, and many people, some of you listening to this show right now, work at a job that you don't have much accountability. Some of you really like that. Usually, that person often complains about their pay, and may not realize, well, I mean, you're in a spot that somebody picks on you and questions your work on a daily basis, so you go about your business, and then you go, yeah, but I mean, I they should pay me more and things like that. Not that you have to face accountability to, to, to be well compensated, but I mean, some jobs you fly under the radar. Other jobs, you you got to deal with it. Whether you're working the counter at a fast food restaurant or somebody's judging your performance on a daily basis, I mean, 
This ain't brain surgery that we do here on a daily basis, but there are op- opportunities to criticize. You could text in. You could, you know, send an email, complain about something. Uh, and that's fine. And we're, we're adult. Well, one of us is an adult. And, you know, you deal with it. Ferentz, the line of questioning, and by the way, that interview is posted at the end of the post game, in which the Ohio based writer, he didn't personally attack Kurt Ferentz. He was asking questions about, you know, your struggles on offense. Your son is the offensive coordinator. It's obvious that there seems to be this uh, conflict of interest. And and Ferentz got defensive. He didn't like the line of questioning. Well, in an environment like that, you're not always going to get the favorable hometown media. It's an open press conference. Anybody can go. And there was criticism. And his point was on on Saturday, hey, you know, we evaluate all of our coaches at the end of the year. I just don't believe in making changes midseason. Uh, and maybe at Iowa, where they like to pride themselves on doing stuff differently, which is fine. Maybe it is. Hey, at the end of the year, Kurt, it's pretty obvious. I mean, we got to make a change. And maybe, he'll, and maybe he will make that change. But college football coaches, because of the profiles we give them, the exposure we give them, puts him in such a spot where the arrogance level can be so high sometimes. And it is amazing both how we treat them with a pedestal and then also sometimes the, well, because you make that much money, we now get to scream and yell and fire you and spend other people's money for buyouts and things like that. But the 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 ego, the arrogance, the... Like I joke with Scott sometimes that Iron Man believes he's Iron Man. Like Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark, yeah. Believes he has. Well, maybe he once did. Uh, College football coaches, I mean the ones that are at the elite high-profile job, they believe that they become the, or they believe that they are the characters that they become. You know? And with it comes this sense of entitlement. Someone else carries their bag. Why? Because you make X amount of dollars, you can't carry your own suitcase? Or someone brings you your own coffee in the morning? And that's not everybody. It's just, I mean, some of the smaller things that you just, you, you kind of wonder, because you believe you're the character of something. And in Iowa, Kirk Ferris, the highest paid guy in the state, been there a long time, has influence, has power. Now, somebody could take it away. They could fire him. But I, I think his buyout's $42 million, which Iowa ain't buying out because that isn't the way Iowa does it. But back to the father versus son and when it got uncomfortable. You don't have to be a Florida State fan to remember when things got uncomfortable when Jeff Bowden was the offensive coordinator at Florida State. And... By then, the Seminoles were starting to lose some games on a year-by-year basis. I mean, the run of double-digit wins ends in 2000, and then Bobby has 8, 9, got 10 in 2003, then 9 and 8. And in 2006, and what Seminole fan doesn't remember the Emerald Bowl, um, they finished 7 and 6, but it got really uncomfortable. And at some point, it became obvious. And Jeff Bowden resigned. Uh, with two games left in the season in 2006. Uh, that was after Florida State got shut out for the first time in over 200 games. And um, he resigned. 
By the way, I went back and looked. Then ESPN reporter Joe Shad. Remember when Joe was like the big information guy? I do, yes. Now writing for the Palm Beach Post in South Florida. Said that um, Chris Hatcher, one-time UCF assistant, that Chris Hatcher, the Valdosta State head coach, then was going to become the offensive coordinator. It's like, oh, wow, okay. uh, That's kind of interesting. But instead... As Bobby knew, Jeff Bowden resign. Uh It wasn't Chris Hatcher. Everybody remembers what it was. It, it, it was, well, Jimbo Fisher. Well, wait a minute, he might go to Alabama. Well, wait a minute, he might become the head coach at UAB. Florida State puts in an offer for Jimbo Fisher to become the offensive coordinator. Then pulled the offer because they didn't want to be... Hey, turn it down. Hey, are, are you taking the job at UAB? Are, are, are you going to Alabama? What, what, what are you doing? Then Fisher took the job at Florida State. And why did he take the job at Florida State? Because after the first year, they put in the contract, the coach in waiting. Which Bobby was there in 2008. And then in 2009, before Fisher took over in 2010. And then won 10 games uh, his first year. Uh, But that's what happened when Jeff Bowden resigned or basically was forced out at Florida State. I have no idea what Kurt Ferentz will do. My guess is his son won't be the offensive coordinator. And whether it's out of spite or the Iowa way of doing it, he's not going to fire his son. Well, I'd be surprised if he fires his son during the season. It would almost be like I'm giving the media what they want, and I think there's that level of arrogance and the 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 dictator way of, no, no, you don't tell me how to run the program. And, and almost out of spite, he'll be like, I, I don't care what you think. Because if I do it, then you think you won. And if you think you won, then you think you control me. And college football coaches most cannot stand for that. Until they can no longer control it. That's when I talk about that, you know, that, that, that tidal wave where you can't control the narrative anymore. But if the coach still has the control of that, you know, that's why Kirby Spark can talk about pulling football games in Jacksonville. It's why, you know, when Nick Saban doesn't suspend a player that people think he should suspend and gives an answer, no one really questions it. Oh, okay. That's what Nick said. If you got that power, you got that leverage, and you have that belief of, like, I'm bigger than all of you, then they don't hold you as accountable. The criticism is not as strong. It just comes with the territory. Um, when we come back, Keith Smith, latest in the NBA. The Magic off to a winless start. They'll take on the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. Scott, coverage begins in the station at when? 6.30, tip-off. Just after 7 o'clock. Uh, looking for their first win against that improved Cavs basketball team. Uh, part of the stretch of six, the first eight on the road for uh, the Magic. Keith on the NBA next. The Vita Sports, Mark Daniels. On this Wednesday, we're brought to you by Hale, Hale, and Jacobson. Island at hhjlegal.com. Richard Hale will join us on Fridays as our sports law expert. Uh, 
Look forward to chatting with him on Friday. Let's talk some basketball now. Keith Smith uh, joins us. He covers the NBA, and you find him and his work on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. And lots going on as the league now is uh, fully underway. Keith, good morning. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. What'd you make of Clay Thompson, Devin Booker last night? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones where I think the Suns are trying to reestablish themselves. I, they, after going to the finals two years ago and then taking a step back with that disastrous Game 7, uh, I think they're trying to show everybody, hey, we're still here. Like, we're still good. And I think every once in a while, the Warriors like to remind everybody, sure, but we're the champ. So I, that, that's all, all I think that was, was you know, one team trying to show, hey, we're, we're still a contender, while the other team wants everybody to know, yeah, that's cute, but we've got the title. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you make much of uh, one particular game, so let's not uh, uh, overdo that. And Booker had a great uh, basketball game, and, and uh, you know, I don't think anybody's shocked that uh, he, he played well. Let me get to some other things. Before I get to, uh, oh, I want to ask about the other game. How about the Pelicans? Yeah, they're really impressive. You win a game without three starters, and uh, easily your best and most important defensive player in Herb Jones, and then your two stars in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, they showed they've got real depth now this year. They've got some guys who can do some stuff. They they can play a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, having C.J. McCollum and, and Jonas Valanciunas there is, is kind of the, the adult with that group that can really settle things down. Now, that's huge. They're not going to go anywhere. They're going to be the top team all year. We'll see if they can learn enough lessons throughout the year to really be a contender by the time it really matters. But for now, you know that that team's deep, they're tough, and they can really do some stuff. Eight guys in double figures for them in their 113-111 win over the uh, Mavericks. Okay, let me ask you about the Magic. Uh, you know, I've I kind of joked the glass half full or empty. There's a lot to look at the glass half full side. Four games have been competitive in all four. Uh, two of them, the Hawks and Knicks game, you know, wasn't a one or two possession game. Uh, you can certainly be pleased about Paolo's performance. You can look at Bowl Bowl and think maybe they have found something there. I can then argue that they're missing key rotation guys like Jalen Suggs and Gary Harris. Their defense is not as good when you have to play Terrence Ross and Colt Anthony. But they're still 0-4. They gave up 18 offensive rebounds to the Knicks. Their zone defense was torched by the same play the Knicks ran. So I'm going to ask you to look at the half full, half empty, and assess the magic after four. Yeah, I, I, I think this is kind of what I expected. I expected them to be what I call naturally bad they're going to try really hard and they're going to they're going to be out there they're trying to win they're 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 really getting after it and i think that is is a huge testament to jamal mosley and his staff that these guys even last year they always played hard and in in many other coaches you heard say things you know along the lines of hey we we gotta you you gotta be prepared because if you're not prepared they're gonna get you they're gonna beat you now Schematically, they, they've got some challenges. I don't know how much of that is driven by personnel. I think they're going to that zone defense a lot. We saw Boston have some struggles with it, but then really start to carve it up. Uh, I, I think you know the Knicks had very little challenge with, with it. Um, the rebounding is that that's in my mind that's really unacceptable, especially in these lineups where you're playing a whole bunch of guys who are really big. It should be able to get to the boards, so that that part's a, a little messy. And then you know the defense, 
with some of the breakdowns. Now, on the good side, you know, yeah, Paulo's been great. I think Franz is showing some of the stuff he can do. I think Wendell Carter is showing how he'll pair with Ben Caro moving forward. I think Cole Anthony's had his moments. Um, Jalen Suggs, before getting hurt again, looked like, yo, all right, this guy really is starting to figure some stuff out offensively. So I think it's about getting healthy and then, then let's, you know, have a conversation again on, you know, where we're at, assuming some of these guys get back in a month or so. Um, again, the sample size is small. He's battled injuries. What can I make out of Bull? Bull has played just 57 games in four years. Yeah, I, you can see the talent is there. His um, ability to block jump shots is is rare, and it is, you know, but it's something. It, it's an actual skill for him. He, he flashed it at times with the Denver Nuggets, and, and he's really shown it here with the Magic, and I think what happens is because he's so skinny and he doesn't spend all his time planted under the basket, I think offensive players are like, all right, all right we're, we're going to get my, you know, he's maybe not, he doesn't feel as big and as long as he is, and I can get my jump shot off and go. Um, I think on offense, he's a little wild at times. He's definitely a little raw. Um, there, there, there are times when I, I think the coaches would prefer, uh, let's not take the 30-foot pull-up off the jumper in transition. Well, let's, you know, really work. But but there's something there, you know, to, to work with. I think that was one of those ones when the Magic re-signed him. I think there were a lot of people who were kind of like, huh, you know, well, what's happening there? Because you're adding Ben Caro. You already have... Wagner, you drafted Caleb Houston, you know, where they're going to be minutes for. But I think the Magic are intrigued, and, and they're now starting to get to see a little bit of, all right, there might be a little bit, bit of something worth working with here. It's it's early at, at one and three. Are the Heat short? Yeah, they, 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 they don't they, they don't have a, well, I don't know how you're asking short, but they're short uh, both in, in terms of height and stats. That's what I mean. They're, they're not a very tall team, are they? Yeah, no, they aren't. And they're also short in terms of rotation players. They, they don't have a four on that roster that, that can really play and handle minutes. And that, that seems to be, uh, I don't know if they were completely caught off guard by P.J. Tucker leaving or if they just didn't have a plan to, to fill that spot. But they're, they're kind of masquerading a bunch of different guys. And that's fine in a playoff series when you're going to say, you know, Jimmy Butler is going to be our four for, you know, 30 minutes of a playoff game. You can get away with that. But we're in, you know, October. We've got six months to go before that really matters. And that's a huge challenge for them. And then, you know, yeah, when you're playing these lineups with all these guards, they don't rebound well. They they, they really uh, offer very little in terms of, uh, you know, rim protection outside of Bam Adebayo. So I think what we're going to see happen with that team is I think when Omer, you're at seven, get, gets healthy, you're going to see him slide in and play quite a bit. I think they're going to move Bam Adebayo over to the four, and that's going to be how they cover. But that's going to be a spot Miami's going to have to work on probably all year to, to fill out their rotation to be the team that I think most people expected them to be. Because people can clip up anything on TV and put it on Twitter. It gets a bunch of follows and so forth. But I'm sure you saw it. There's the picture, the cut, uh, a video of LeBron and, and Anthony Davis looking at Russell Westbrook pull up early in the shot clock, take a bad shot, and both their hands are like, what What? What was that? It's almost a summary of what the Lakers are to start the season at 0-3, but it's a mess that doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. Yeah, I completely agree. A mess is, is how I've been describing it too. It's uh, it's one of those things where I think there is the Lakers 
went all in on making that Westbrook trade. They traded not only good players, but all of their tradable salaries that they had to go go get him. And, and it really has not worked at all in any way that anyone hoped it would work. And then now it's become a problem. And we're, we're hearing things, you know, and seeing things written up. They have to make the trade to save this season. You, you, you can't, you know, punt on LeBron James this late in his career and have another bad year. And, and I think that's the math that Rob Polinka and his front office staff, along with the Lakers' ownership, have to be sitting down and probably to some extent in conversation with LeBron of saying, all right, we can go trade Russell Westbrook and two first-round picks, and we can probably get a couple of rotation players in here. But the question you have to be asking is, are those guys going to lift you to six, seven, eight in the conference, maybe five, you know, if everything goes great, um, or are they going to be guys you can go get that, all right, hey, now we are, you know, we're in the top four, we feel like we can win a title, we're where we need to be, or is the best path to say, you know what, hey, I know it's not anything anybody wants to hear, but LeBron, go ahead and chase the scoring record, and we're going to wait wait out Russell Westbrook's contract. We'll have thirty plus million in cap space, and we're going to go from there. And that that could be be the best direction to go. Unfair, because I didn't uh, tease you uh, this question before. But if I said best duos that are under the age of twenty five uh, is John Morant and Desmond Bain at the top of the list, they can't be that far down. And Santi Aldama comes along, and now he's Double double doubles for the Grizzlies as well. Yeah, um, to the first part of your question, yeah, I, I I would have to go really sit and look through and look at some ages, but yeah, if if, if John Morant and Desmond Bain aren't near the top of that list, then then I'm going to call that list invalid. Um, you know, and, and ask anybody to look at it. Those, those two guys are terrific. Um, you know, Ja is a full blown superstar. Full stop. Doesn't matter. You know what your opinion is. You know he, he is that guy for that team. Um, Desmond Bain is the perfect running mate for him in the backcourt because he's an outstanding shooter. He's a very good defender. Um, there we're going to see. I think eventually. I'm not going to say they're going to be the Warriors, but we saw Clay Thompson's ability to play off of Stephen Curry while also helping to cover from Stephen Curry's uh, defensive deficiencies at times um, really be a key to driving them to their success. I think we're going to see similar type stuff out of the Grizzlies. Um, Bain also, he's flashing some off-the-dribble playmaking skills now. It's not just you know, two dribbles and get myself to the rim or get into my own pull-up. He's starting to show some playmaking stuff, which is really fun. And then Santi Aldama, that team, as good as anybody at drafting and developing players, you know, whether it be Moran, Bain, uh, Dylan Brooks over the years, um, you know, now we're, we're into Santi Aldama, you know, stepping in. And he showed some stuff towards the end of last year when they were kind of uh, saying, all right, we're, we're not full resting, but we're 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 positioning ourselves for a good playoff run. Um, and then in the summer, he really showed some things as far as being able to do some stuff. So, so that 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 is a good, deep, tough team. Uh, they're they're, they're going to stick around. I, I thought they might take a little step back uh, this year, but but I think Memphis is is going to be right there in that mix for uh, home court advantage and maybe more in the West. Hey, last question. I know that he was supposedly speaking privately to the Suns when the issue about tanking and, and, and Adam Silver talked relegation promotion, and I think he went on ESPN to go, look, I know that's not possible, so let me explain you know, what I meant. 
But with Wembanyama this year, and we'll talk throughout the entire year about what that may be like, is there anything you would do, Keith, that says, look, I would tweak this to avoid tanking, or is, look, this is the system. Teams do what they do about not bringing guys back that may not be a full 100%. Is there anything that you think the league can do to change what is inevitable for several teams as the year goes along? Yeah, I mean, I could take up the rest of your show giving you my ideas on what they should do, and I won't do that. But, you know, my my quick thoughts is, one, I think the league has done okay. Uh, I think flattening out the lottery odds has eliminated the need to be, um, you know, instead of just being uh, bad, you know, being horrifically bad, um, because it doesn't do anything to, you know, win 10 games all season. You're, 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 you're going to be in the same spot with, with a couple teams that probably won, you know, around 20 games. So I think that has helped. I know a lot of people love this idea of, you know, hey, let's take all the lottery teams and put them in a tournament. And my challenge with that is, why am I going to play really hard in a tournament just so my team can get a draft pick for a guy to come in and replace me? Right. Um, I think that's what gets missed there. If I'm a pending free agent and I know I'm not a part of the future, why am I going to play hard for Team X to get a good draft pick that I'm going to have to try to beat down the line? That's where all that falls apart. There are thoughts out there as far as doing things on um, – you know, what we could see the league do is this idea of once you're eliminated from playoff contention, um, then that's when your record counts for the lottery. So it's, all right, we're out. Now I'm going to try to win as many games as I can. Some people call them tombstone wins and those kind of things. That's kind of an interesting idea that becomes, all right, hey, that gets you up there. But in general, I think they've done pretty good. I think too much gets made made of tanking. There's been tanking in every sport, you know, since the history began. Um, I, I think it's just sometimes the NBA teams are a little bit more overt because getting that one player can truly change your franchise where in some of the other sports it's not quite as easy that one guy is going to change your fortunes drastically long term. Uh, find his work uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, the links to all of the stuff that he does at Spot Rack, Celtic Blog, Front Office Show is all right there. Always good catching up, Keith. Thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. In the college sports world, particularly in football, of NIL, pay-for-play, whatever you want to call it, who exactly polices not just the deal, but for the IRS? And are players even doing what they're supposed to do to claim the income? And what about those collectives that are paying players tens of thousands of dollars? How do you police any of that? The sports tax man breaks it all down for us next. The Beta Sports, Mark Daniels on this Wednesday, brought to you by our friends at Gold Key Roofing. Online at goldkeyroofing.com. Often imitated, not duplicated. A lot of people want to be like Gold Key. Uh, since 1975 in Orlando, it's our good friends at Gold Key Roofing. So, you know, we've talked over the last year plus uh, in the world of NIL and pay-for-play and um, now who polices what. The NCAA has no ability of uh, of overseeing the deals. Some are with national brands that partner with athletes, and, and that's fine. There's probably a paper trail there of uh, money exchange, but collectives, who knows what happens with that. So when it comes to reporting that stuff, how many athletes even know they need to do that? Are they being properly educated to do that? And uh, how do you police all that? Robert Royola is our good friend uh, on Twitter at Sports Tax Man and the guy that we turn to when it comes to some of the financial and tax things in sports. Welcome back, Robert. How are you? 
Good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Um, let, let's go back to last July of 2021 in the world of NIL begins. And the original thought is, hey, companies, big companies, national worldwide brands, small companies, they can sign deals with student athletes, have them promote a product or service. It sounds real nice and simple, probably easy to police. So when that began last July, what were your thoughts from a monetary and tax standpoint before we even get to where we are today? What do you think of how that world would play out? Uh, I, I, I didn't see the amount of nil payments that have gone out to athletes. It's a lot more than I expected. Uh, the numbers are staggering as to what athletes have gotten paid so far. Now take me to where we are in this pay-per-view world, and who knows what collectives and everything. How do you police this, Robert? Who has any idea about the exchange sure. of money? Anybody who makes more than $600, that you pay more than $600, you have to send them a form 1099, which is the gross amount that you got on the deal. The nil recipients are considered to be independent contractors, and this is where the athletes have to be very careful. You don't have any tax taken out, but the payments are subject to tax. So you've got to put money aside because you've got to pay federal tax, state income tax, and federal uh, self-employment tax on these payments. The problem, and it's not criticizing that an 18- to 22-year-old can't be educated with this, it's not the school's responsibility, though some do it, and you're asking an 18-, 19-year-old to know everything about what they need to do, there are dangers assuming that they don't. So what happens then? Uh, there's definitely dangers. What will happen is if you don't report it, you will get a notice from the IRS saying, you know, according to our records, uh, we have that you made $10,000, and according to your tax return, which wasn't filed, you, you don't have anything picked up. So you'll have to go and you'll pay interest and penalty on the amounts that are due. All right, we now have these things called collectives, which uh, no matter what they want to claim, they basically are fans, boosters of these teams that pool their money, and they worry about however we fall in, in NIL, and we're just going to get money. We'll, I mean, we'll give cash. Who polices that? If somebody ends up, here's $50,000. You come play for our school, we'll pay you the money. What do you do then? Um, that's Again, that would be taxable, but... The other thing that people don't realize is that if you get uh, use of a car from a booster or if you get uh, use of Nike equipment, that is also taxable, and the athletes may not realize that. But this, I guess the schools could police it a little bit, and they wouldn't want to go offside, but they also want to be able to recruit athletes. And maybe the more that they pay, uh, the athletes are more likely to attend that school. But what ha look, if I'm the rich donor, I don't want anybody to know I gave somebody $50,000, and I say, wink, wink, you don't tell anybody, I don't tell anybody. That happens a lot in business. That's impossible to police, is it not? Uh, it would be difficult, yes. Uh, you'd have to have some reason to think that something happened, you know, if you get a cash payment or a payment before you were, were to police it, but it would be proved to be very difficult to police that activity. When you hear some of these collectives say, "Hey, we're five hundred one C," you know, we're we're nonprofit. What what what's your initial thought when you're someone say, "Hey, I mean, that's who we are. That's our status, and yet we're giving out millions of dollars." Yeah, you, you know, you have to be approved to be a five hundred one C three, and I, even if you receive money from a five hundred one C three, it is taxable. So just because you receive money from a not for profit, it would be still taxable. 
Uh, in an NIL world, uh, like we've talked over the years, there are certain parts of the country and states that are more favorable. Florida, I would think, is one of them uh, where the taxes are different than perhaps in New York and other places. And I would imagine that's quite attractive to somehow its use. Give me an idea where you think we're going in the next three to five years with this. Do you think that there'll be some type of system that is police better? Does the IRS care? Do they just try to find what they can find? Is it worth someone's time to start digging through all of this stuff in college sports? Where are we headed with this? I think you will see more universal uh, procedures and you know guidelines that should be adhered to uh, by the schools. Um, I think there's tremendous money. It's only the beginning. Um, I think they're gonna, the money's going to increase, and athletes are going to be paid to play. If it ran through a school, that's a different story about, obviously, tracing the money, correct? That's right. Um, we talked over the years about the jock tax, and if you play at a certain place. Um, give me a refresher's course in that, because uh, I know we talked again. Some athletes end up, because I played at XYZ, I owe taxes there. That would come into play in college, would it not? Yes, absolutely would. Um, if you, again, what I mentioned was there's three forms of taxation that the nil recipients have to be concerned with: federal income tax, self-employment tax, and state income tax. Uh, some states like Florida, Texas, state of Washington are better than other states like California and Canada. Uh, not that Canada is a state, a country, but you know those places would be higher taxation. But the nil payments would indeed be subject to state income tax. Um. Like I said, I don't want to pick on 18 to 22 year old now that they can't educate themselves. What would you tell a big time recruit that sees dollar signs and lights and everything? What's the best advice you could give them to say, look, there's a chance to make a lot of money here. You got to do X, Y, and Z. What would be your advice for X, Y, and Z? Go out and uh, form a good team. Have your, have a financial advisor, and you know, go out and form an accountant who's familiar with the nil rules and the nil payments. Uh, because it's very different than doing a tax return for, you know, say a, a garbage man or, or an executive. But with the nil payments, if you're going to get paid, you got to pick it up. Uh, let me end with a couple of things here. We, we're in an era in, in, well, in every sport, but in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge is about to step into a unique situation. He bet on himself and certainly had a great season, not the way it ended, but... Yeah, his own season. I don't know what the end number is. Maybe it's $400, $500 million. Maybe the Yankees are the only place he'll want to play. Maybe the Giants are legitimate contenders uh, for this. What are things his advisors will keep in mind when it comes to the contract and taxes for Aaron Judge of a contract that may be closer to $500 million? Sure, excellent question. Um, the Texas Rangers are uh, reportedly involved in the negotiations, and if they are, the state of Texas has no income tax. So he may get a higher gross deal from the San Francisco Giants, but it may not be as high as the net deal from the Texas Rangers. Anybody that doesn't look at the net deals that they would get is making a big mistake. Again, whether it's $500 million, $450, whatever it may be, it's a lot of money, but there's no rule that says that an athlete can't be smart and base it on the best net deal. Is it also based, even though I may claim my residency in this place, the majority of my work happens here, I can't claim, hey, I live in Florida, I just happen to play baseball in New York. Yes. You, you, 
you have to go where your ties to the community are strongest. Are you registered to vote? Are your cards registered? Where's your insurance? Do you belong to a golf club? It is possible for a judge to play for a California team and be a Florida resident. But as I say all the time, when people ask me, well, where should I live? I say it's easy as ABC, anywhere but California and anywhere but Canada. Hey, uh, one of the fun things that I enjoy when I follow you on Twitter, you will put what the original price of a team was and, and what it is worth yeah. today. Of the uh, of the owners today, and it's unfair, you don't have this in front of you, but what comes to mind, uh, give me the one or two that you're like, that's, that's just a great deal of when they bought it to what it is today. Look at the Cowboys. I mean, Jerry Jones paid a couple hundred million, and now it's the highest worth franchise in all sports. And then I get some kick out of Mark, and I appreciate your kind words, kick out of like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Chicago Bears paid $100, and now it's worked in the, in the billions. I get a kick out of those. If Jones ever, I, I mean, the market is what the market is, right? Uh, but six, seven, eight billion dollars it's kind of mind-boggling to think what we've done with the value of sports franchises again something's worth what someone wants to pay but what do you make of what's been an unbelievable decade in the growth of values of uh, of pro teams it it continues to grow even the denver broncos got a big price when they were recently sold um and now the phoenix suns are going to get sold because the owner got in some trouble so he's going to have to to divest himself of the team but the the payment the amounts that these teams are worth keeps on going up. Where it stops, I don't know. But you know, I don't think Jerry Jones is going to sell a team anytime in his lifetime. Uh, and he's done. Not may not always agree with Jerry. He's a little bit different, but he's done a great job at marketing the Cowboys. But but would you agree? One of the trends of ownership is to not just own the team and preferably if you can the stadium or arena, but these tax free districts that we see now being built around these facilities where it's like, hey, you want to keep the team here. Not only do I want the stadium or arena, but I want this around it. I want the ability of, of restaurants and shops and hotels yeah. and tax-free. That's become incredibly common now, hasn't it? Yes. As a matter of fact, the New York Mets built their stadium, I think it was eight or ten years ago, and the area around the city field is still made of uh, auto repair shops. And they're talking about Steve Cohen going out and buying that and redoing that and doing exactly what you said about making it an area that, that's desirable for people to go before or after a game. Wait, if he takes away the car shops, who's going to do the work to, so the car can pass inspection? <laughs> right in New York, you got to have the guy that you give 20 bucks, the car passes inspection, right? <laughs> Very funny, Mark. Uh, Robert is on uh, 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 Twitter. He's at Sports Tax Man. It's a really good follow to help understand some of these things and, and always good uh, uh, notes when it comes to sports, money, and business. Good catching up, Robert. Thank you. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, just go back to the first point that he made. If it's over $600, it it's taxable. Yeah. Okay? So listen to this. It's, it, it's widely known now. One of the latest trends in recruiting one of the latest trends in recruiting is both the team and the recruit offering and asking money to visit oh not to not to come play we're 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 beyond that okay we're beyond that but you got a you got a five-star player okay and he gets x amount of visits he doesn't get unlimited visits he gets a certain number of visits and you want that player to visit you for multiple reasons. One, you want him to come play for you, right? 
But now you're competing for one of his official visits, or even unofficial visits. Now you're offering him money to come for a visit. What do you mean? Hey, we'd love you uh, 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 to come for a visit. Okay. How much? Uh, 2500 Okay. See you this weekend. Or we'd like you to come for a visit, and he says three grand. We'll get back to you. You think anyone's reporting that income along the way? I mean, no one's reporting that, but that happens now. That is the newest game being played. Not everywhere, but that is the game. And even if you can't get the kid, right? They're like, hey, he's not coming here. You still may want him to come because it looks good. Oh, so-and-so's visiting that school? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. you got schools that will do that. And you're like, wait. They'll take it out of some budget line, maybe, or ready. You got a, you got an assistant coach today at some elite programs that are making three, four, five, six hundred thousand. Not coordinators, but position coaches, right? What does that guy care if he takes twenty thousand dollars out of his sixty, uh, out of his six hundred thousand to pay four, five, eight recruits to visit? That's now happening. Forget about the tax implications, just the fact that that's now where we're at. Yeah, head-scratching. Uh, 11 o'clock hour. It's got a Movie Wednesday segment coming up. Yes, it does. And so much more. It begins with Scott and the News next. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, The Beat of Sports. What up, my news heads? What's going on? Welcome to another edition of the news. I'm Scott Harris. That's Mark Daniels. We will run through the top stories in the sports world. First up in the news, controversy, Mark. Actually, not controversy. More of pushing and shoving and trash-talking in the NBA. As Warriors guard Clay Thompson was ejected for the first time in his career after picking up two consecutive technical fouls during a chippy third quarter in Golden State's 134-105 loss to the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday night. It was the five-time All-Stars first career ejection in 759 regular season and playoff games. Thompson had been verbally, verbally sparring with Phoenix Suns Devin Booker for several minutes through the third quarter, repeating over and over that he had four rings, according to Booker, with six and a half minutes left in the quarter. The two continued to exchange words, then bumped chest, resulting in double double technicals on both players. Yeah, Clay Thompson was about 18 deep when he wanted to go after Devin Booker. Tough guy move right there, right? And then after getting ejected, pointed to his ring finger on the way out talking to the crowd. Hey, that's that's how you get it done right there, buddy. Listen, he does have four rings. You yeah, know? Maybe exactly. he was wrong last night, and Devin Booker had a great night, and the Suns ended up blowing out the Warriors. But, uh, yeah. Have you seen this uh, zoomed-in video of the Mac Jones pass on Monday night? No, I have not. So, uh, you know, again, people can get clips and do all sorts of stuff, but they've zoomed in, it appears, it appears that a Mac Jones throw, which was intercepted, mm-hmm. does clip the Skycam wire. Oh. And change the trajectory of the ball. 
and maybe that is why it was intercepted. Don't know if it would have been caught, but yeah. Do you maybe think the that, Patriots ought to sue ESPN? Do you think there should be a way for them to notice whether or not that happens? I mean, you treat it like a dead ball, right? Ooh. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Why should the play not count? Because uh, the play was obstructed. Hmm. No, like and, and, and not my fault if I'm the defense. No, but like if if you in soccer, if if the if you do a pass and it hits the referee, they just stop the play from where that ha- occurred. I think it should be live. Use oh, really? As, yeah. You know, like I'm going to use him to purposely hit him so the ball caroms off so I can set you up. No, I I don't have an answer to what is a fair question. Of course, there are others like, well, look at the different camera angle, didn't touch it. And yes, the the the. The goal is to not have that cable be in the way, but sometimes you cannot always predict ball, although the ball is forward here. Why is that wire at the point that it was? But I, I, I don't know. How long until the, the sky cam is just replaced by a drone? Uh, I know there's I, rules I and regulations. The technology is probably there, but you've got to... It's, I think there's just regulations. You can't just fly film. drones all over the place. Well, I think fly drones over a crowd of people. But I learned, like, you know, UCF sends up some drones at a football game, you know, to get uh, shots from above and things like that. You know, you have to go through to, to to get permission to send it up to a certain height. Yeah. Yes, I do actually. And then we had, uh, I don't know if it was a couple years ago, maybe in, in maybe it was in twenty or twenty. I don't know. Somebody had a drone in the area, and it was like all-out security. Yes. Like, what is that? And yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's a very real. It's a very serious. Would thing. you like to own a drone? Look, I, I, I've messed around with you know, drones. Like a pet dog and everything. I've messed around with drones. We've flown. Hold them. on, hold on. What, what what does that mean? I've messed around with drones. When what is that? When the when the I teams existed here, and I shared an office with uh, Dickerman and Jimmy D and uh, Derek. Uh, it was a very small office, about the size of the uh, talk studio, and Dickerman was doing an event where they sent Which him a is bunch quite of, large, you know. This isn't a small room, but yeah. They send him a bunch of uh, yeah. drones and stuff because he's working at drone events. Like, hey, try these out. And, and so we're flying drones inside the office. Yeah. And it didn't go well for three of the four of us. Mm. It's a lot of trying to not run them into each other, ourselves, but the wall. Right. But it, it's unbelievable what they've now done with drones. Absolutely. It oh, is. my gosh. Boston Celtics forward Jalen Brown and L.A. Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald both announced Tuesday that they are leaving Donda Sports, the agency founded uh, by Kanye West, uh, due to comments he recently made. The announcement came after Adidas terminated his relationship with the rapper. Meanwhile, world number one Roy McIlroy said the feud between the PGA Tour and Live Golf is out of control and warned it could leave the sport fractured for a long time. In an interview with The Guardian, McIlroy described the atmosphere in the game as us versus them and said the escalation of the feud will likely become irreparable. The Saudi-backed Live series has lured away some of the PGA Tour's top members with huge sums of money, while those who joined the rival circuit have been suspended by the U.S.-based organization. I'm sorry, finish. Liv has filed a lawsuit accusing the PGA Tour of antitrust violations, while the PGA has filed a counterclaim. So we're almost uh, through the Liv abbreviated season. season. yeah. Um, and, you know, things, 
views change, and I guess what I'm saying is, and Rory McIlroy's earned the right to speak his mind as he did in this interview. I get the sense, and and you have legal stuff going on on both sides, sir. Do you know when the, ne- uh, the next live event is? Nope. Are you racing to go see it? No, because it's not easy to watch. Okay. Do you know when the four golfing majors are? Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, we play the Masters in April. We move the PJ Championship to May. The Open Championship uh, is in July and in June mm-hmm. is the U.S. Open. Okay. I guess what I would say to Roy McElroy off camera is now that you've gone through this year, why even talk about them? Yeah. I'm not quite sure that they've gained a lot of traction. And I'd almost say to Rory, when he says it, 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 the damage is irreparable, just stop talking about them. They're not winning that PR battle. I mean, there's news out there of the golf outlets that cover them. Their YouTube numbers have not gone up. Um, yes, they've signed players, but it's almost like, just keep doing your thing and just say, hey, we're, we're the biggest tour in the world. That would be my advice. He's not asking for it, but that would be my advice. You think he's losing sleep but he's not friends with Phil Mickelson anymore? I think you can still be friends with him. You just don't, you're just not going to play with him. You think Frank Thomas walks in the middle of the, uh, uh, of the street like in this commercial? No. It's not safe to walk in the middle of the streets, Mark. Maybe in that neighborhood it is. And why is Doug Flutie just randomly throwing a football in the street? Who is he throwing it to? Is he just is he just whipping footballs at cars that drive by, or is he trying to peg Frank Thomas as he walks by? Honey, Frank's walking by again. I'm gonna get him this time. Mm. Phil Kessel became the NHL's new Iron Man on Tuesday and did so in South, scoring his 400th career goal in the Vegas Golden Knights 4-2 win over the San Jose Sharks. The 35-year-old winger has now appeared in 990. Amazing. Consecutive games, yeah, a streak that started November third, two thousand nine. I was I was only a few years old. Yeah, when that streak began. See the Magic and Disney were up their uh, jerseys. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation announced that it is holding a training camp in Frisco, Texas, for MLS players who are still in contention for a spot in the United States World Cup roster but whose teams are no longer in the MLS Cup playoffs. The camp will run uh, October 25th through, through November 5th, and is intended to help players maintain fitness. The U.S. is announcing its final roster on November 9th in a must-watch television event. It is? Yeah. Okay. And lastly, the... I mean, if we don't know who we're picking now, then... I mean, what are we waiting on? I, I mean, come on. I'm still trying to figure out why a guy that scored 18 goals in Major League Soccer uh, and is eligible to play for... Not even being considered. Not even being considered at all. And he's in a great run of form. And lastly, the Miami Marlins have hired Skip Schumacher as the team's newest manager. The F1 driver, Mick Schumacher? No, Skip. Oh. This is his brother. I don't think so, but okay. You don't know that. A first-time manager, Schumacher, played 11 seasons in the majors with the first eight coming with the Cardinals. He's part of two World Series winning teams with the Cardinals, 2006 and 2011. He, he, he may go on to be a Hall of Fame manager. Not going to happen there? No. By the way, did you see... 
speaking of the Marlins, did you see who the White Sox are? Today, by the way, it's the 25th anniversary of their 97 World Series win against the Indians. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, speaking of the Marlins, did you see who the White Sox are interviewing for their managerial opening? Ozzie Gant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they brought back Tony La Russa. This so. is just bring just bring them all back eventually. Yeah. So, I mean, Robin Ventura is going to be back, back one wow. day. Wow. How about that? That's it for the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go there and leave us a five-star rating. Shout out to all the news heads out there. You're what make this segment possible. We cannot do it without you guys. Back to you, Mark. Yeah, we could. I mean, it, it nobody would listen to it, but we could do it without them. No, we could not do it without them. Okay. Do we think Peyton liked doing these commercials? I, I, I think the Manning brothers really enjoy their life right now. Yeah. And rightfully so. Good for them. That that they are as recognizable as anybody uh, that's out there. Uh Magic Basketball tonight. The boys are in Cleveland looking for their first win of the season against the Cavaliers. Uh coverage begins at six thirty. Tip is set for just after seven o'clock. See if Palo can get not just twenty again, but some help and uh they can get their first win of the season. Saturday, UCF football against Cincinnati begins at 1.30. Kickoff is set for uh, 3.30 in what is really the game of the year for UCF. If they win, they still control their destiny in the American and still might be in position for New Year's Six Bowl. But that's a big game on Saturday against a really good Cincinnati football team. I have to, okay, your favorite NFL player, not on your team, my favorite NFL player, not on my team, Russell Wilson. Can I read is this? My favorite player, to mock. Can I read this tweet about Russell Wilson? Yeah. Russell Wilson worked out and stretched for four of the eight hours on the flight from Denver to London. Said he was doing high knees in the aisle while the rest of the guys were asleep. Somebody should have punched him. Why do I imagine that there? Wait, wait, did he send that tweet or a reporter put that out? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Who's the reporter, and is the reporter reporting it, was told, or, or what? Uh, it's a guy who covers uh, the beat reporter for the Denver, uh, for the Denver? Is that the name? Denver Post? No, Denver. D-N-V-R. Okay, I don't know that, but does the tweet say, sources say, or? No, I read you what the tweet said. Okay. I don't. I, Why I, do I imagine there's there? I mean, there may be some truth. I just think Russell Wilson and his people don't. I mean, know the room. I mean, just know the room, dude. There's definitely an awkward Russell Wilson video coming of this, isn't there? Probably when he lands, he'll be drinking some sort of weird substance that you shouldn't have. And I, I'll know the room, man. Movie Wednesday next. Yes, indeed, boys and girls. Time for Movie Wednesday. Latest happenings on the big screen or small handheld device to watch your movie. Don't watch movies on your phone. Watch them on a television or uh, go support your local movie theater. You better come strong because I came strong today. Of course I came strong. It's one of these segments that's going to make you go, who is the person that I'm working with? That went out long ago. Warner Brothers Black Adam opened with an estimated $67 million, according to estimates. Uh, it's a character that Dwayne Johnson has been working for a decade plus on getting off the ground. 
It was a $200 million bid to upset the power balance in the DC Extended Universe, dominated by the likes of Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. The $67 million, though, debut fell well shy of that stratosphere, even with the considerable draw of Johnson's acting in his first Biggest superior. debut for him. Yeah. And I guess there's, what, two, three more of these? Who knows? Okay, can you just put your hatred of the rock aside? I mean, I guess he's committed to do more. Okay, he can be as committed to all he wants. The problem is, is that there is such unease when it comes to what David Zaslav, the the president of Warner Brothers Discovery, and what is going to happen with Warner Brothers as a brand, because there's already speculations. This is a partnership that's only been official for three months that they're looking to trim $2 billion worth of debt, and there's already speculation that Warner Brothers could be spun off to another company in two to three years, with Comcast being the likely place that it goes to. Also, there is the fact that just yesterday, Warner Brothers announced that James Gunn and uh, Peter Safran were named the new co-chairs and co-presidents of DC Studios. So they will be now, they are now the stewards of the of the DC brand in when it comes to movies and television. I'm going to be honest. I've, you checked out. I lost you when I said he's doing two, three more of these. Also, <laughs> listen to a review of the movie the other day calling it one of the worst superhero movies of the last 20 years. Okay. Art the Clown, Mark's favorite uh, horror movie character, is pleased to inform you that Terrifier 2 is coming to Screambox. Yeah. Just in the time. What? Screambox. The hell is that? It's a new horror movie streaming service. All right. Uh, just in time for Halloween. Released in 2016, the first Terrifier quickly became a cult classic after putting uh, an iconic villain in a retro slasher filled with blood and guts. Mark, Terrifier 2, though, uh, raking in the money, made another $2 million this past weekend. When it will be streamed, it will be the original version, a 138-minute uncut bloodbath. Oh, good. Yes. Uh, Last story I got. Lost in Watchmen writer Damon Lindelof is currently working on a Star Wars film, and it has now been confirmed. But we don't know when it will come out. Early speculation, 2025. Mm. We have not had a new Star Wars movie since 2019. Oh, no. And it was basically just a... TV, it's it's a TV franchise now. That's what it's become. Okay. All right, I'm going to run through some uh, some plots. I want you to guess some uh, names of these movies. These are movies that I have watched over the Halloween period. Okay. A Victorian scientist tests a serum that transforms him into a sensuous murderess. The mad mind of a world sick man. Wow. Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Yeah. It's very good. It's a very good British movie. Okay. Uh, from the uh, early 70s. Uh, things don't go well when uh, a person checks into an Airbnb only to discover someone else booked it. Overnight of horror. Wow. Barbarian. With Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, no. That's Conan the Barbarian. Oh. 
This is one of the best horror movies I've seen over the last five years. Why? Uh, because it takes uh, three to four twists and turns that I would have never expected. Uh, it's a very small cast. Uh, go into it. I know I just gave you a tiny bit of the plot. Doesn't do any of it justice. Go in to see this movie, preferably with a packed theater, if it's still showing where you can see it. And go in without knowing anything about it. Preferably with a packed theater. Yes. Yeah. It's always good to see movies. Bring a busload of people when you go. Uh, the co-eds of a Boston college campus are targeted by a mysterious killer who is creating a human jigsaw puzzle from their body parts. All the pieces don't fit. That's really good. That's really good. Thank you. And actually, you did have the title in yours. The title of the movie? Pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty close. A young man murders women using a movie camera to film their dying expressions of terror. Snap shot. Wow. Peeping Tom. And lastly, a television reporter and cameraman follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. Eyewitness news. That's really good. Wreck. Wreck. Like REC, like recording. Oh. It's a uh, uh, movie out of Spain, so there are subtitles involved with that movie. But I recommend all of these movies uh, to the audience. Okay. You don't want to check out any of these, do you? No. Can I give you what I brought today for Movie Wednesday? Yes. So if you go to 96thegame.com, my column today is really a, a, a list, um, which I hope you'll click on. Scott loved it. It is uh, top 10 Halloween sports-related names. Mm-hmm. Top 10 Halloween sports-related names. Um, yes, Boo Weekly makes an appearance. I had not thought of that name probably right. ever. Right. The Galloping Ghost Red Grange. Yeah. Uh, so go click that on, and uh, I will have no debate about who's number one on that list. So as I was doing that list last night, just mm-hmm. for you, yes. just for you, I wrote down all the horror films that I believe I've watched. Okay. That at least I remember. Yeah. And then I put a top ten for you. I, I cannot and, wait for this. This is based on me. Yeah. Remembering when I watched it. Uh, do you remember where you were? And then I put like a little, uh, you know, scare number next to it and stuff like that. Like different skulls for the scare factor? I don't think I, I, you know, did that. But can I go from 10 to 1? Absolutely. And you have a clip from one of the movies that appears. Yes. So I'll like get to that one and then you play the clip, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you excited? Very. Okay. Number 10. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, wait. Can I do audible mention first? Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever seen The Bad Seed? Yes. You know what the bad seed is? I do, I, yeah. It's from 1956. Mm-hmm. I bring this up because in college, and I don't remember the class I was in, I was part of a group that had to watch mm-hmm. and do like a psychological study in the movie. Yeah. So there were four of us. Mm-hmm. I remember watching this movie, and I thought about running away because yeah. I was like, what in the world am I watching? Sick, demented kids and everything. So, so that's like an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly, other honorable mentions. Yeah. Friday the Thirteenth. Yep. Psycho. Mm-hmm. The Thing. <sighs> Poltergeist. Yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which version? I don't. The the, the, the first. The Donald Sutherland version. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. I am surprised you've watched Nightmare on Elm Street. I no. cannot see you liking that movie. Number ten. Yeah. Blair Witch Project. Wow. Was not comfortable watching it. 
And have not gone into the woods since. And theaters are uh, at home. I believe I watched it at home. Okay. Be honest. When you saw that movie, did you immediately wonder? Because this is before the internet, like was was as big as it is now. You wonder, is this real or You're not? Like, oh, it's the UCF connection, or they? Oh, yeah. Of course, you thought it was real. Yeah. Yeah. That is one of the great uh, saved the story promos. Like, this is is it real or not? Mm-hmm. People didn't ruin it. It was like, no. Yeah. That was a great job. That that didn't sit well with me. Uh, number nine, Alien. Yeah. In space, no one can hear you scream. That freaked me out. Uh, number eight, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest movie characters ever. Oh, I should I should send you a picture of a cosplay from Silence of the Lambs at Spooky. Number seven, mm-hmm. The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like that. You haven't gone back to watch that, have you? Number six, the original Halloween. Yeah. And let me tell you why. 1978, it came out. I was 11, and I went to see it. Not good at 11. <laughs> Did you ever see any of the others? Not good. No. That was it. You'd no. won it one and done. Yeah. Number five. This movie was number five. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. (laughs) From the best-selling novel, Jaws. Rated PG, maybe too intense for younger children. So, uh, Jaws comes out in 1975. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm eight. Okay? And I saw that movie. Not good if you're eight years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not good. Especially when the movie uh, comes out and you just moved to Florida. Yeah. Who wants to go to the beach? No. 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 I saw that movie. No. Unregulated. Uh-uh. uh-uh. And Scott, I uh, to say I remember, would, would not be accurate. But... I do remember my parents telling me that as that movie came out and became as successful, it did make people not go to the beach. It, I, I could totally see that, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely done a negative stigma against sharks. Number four, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You saw Texas Chainsaw? Yeah. Wow. Pressured into it, my friends, to go see it. I'm impressed. Number three, Carrie. <sighs> They're all going to laugh at you. Number two, The Omen. Yeah. Damien? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all for you, Damien. Oh, my God. And uh, number one, The Exorcist. That's why you have a problem with the costume. Got a lot of problems with that costume and everything. That's yeah. why you have a problem yeah. with it. Yeah. So there you go. What do you think? I'm surprised you've seen... I, I would have never guessed you But now you know why. I, I don't have any interest because I look back at those movies and, every, and I, again, I... You have a right to go enjoy the movies that you like. I mm. just don't get people that are into that genre of movies. I still can't believe you saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was pressured by my friends to go see it. One of those, like, okay, we'll go. And I was like, oh, my God. 
Can I just do anything but be here right now? I think we're up to like eight versions now, or Good eight movies guys. in the series. That's fantastic. You guys have a great time. Well, that's a, that's another one of those movies that it's just like you you like we always joke the. You know, who am I in this situation? No, who am I in this situation? We're not going to go on this back road over here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This, uh, some of those movies. And again, you go back, those movies in the 70s, when they did horror films, the production wasn't very good, so it was always dark and just... A, uh, it, it also bad. the fact that you saw The Thing. Yeah. What? Love that movie. Magic basketball tonight. Hopefully it's not a horror show as the team tries to get the first one of the season. They're in Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. More of the beat of sports next. The beat of sports are brought to you by our friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Bowl season's not that far away. Learn about ticket opportunities. Go to FloridaCitrusSports.com as well as information on the upcoming Florida Blue, Florida Classic. Featuring 40 m and Bethune-Cookman. Tickets and all the events with that big rivalry game. Available at FloridaCitrusSports.com. Tom Brady's 45 years old. The Bucs are sitting at 3-4. and four. Um, Meanwhile, the other older quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is 38 years old. And uh, the Packers are struggling as well. So it's natural, because the attention we give to those two quarterbacks, and we wonder, has Father Time knocked on the door? Yeah. As as you know, Mark, Father Time is always undefeated. Correct. Uh, and I think, one, I know why people kind of wonder about that, because the record, and I, I said watching Aaron Rodgers against the Commanders, I thought he looked disengaged and almost gave up on a couple of plays. But it may be more frustration about the surrounding cast and a form of regret that he chose to come back to Green Bay, but when the check clears, he doesn't care. In Tom Brady's case, we talked about whether you come back or not, and does he regret that? Brady's on a pace, and it's kind of a bit dangerous to do it seven games in, but he is on a pace to throw 19 touchdowns and two interceptions this year. The 19 touchdowns would be significantly down of what is a typical Tom Brady year, but there's a lot of football to be played. He has eight touchdowns and one pick. Uh, he's on a pace for close to 5,000 yards, and last year he threw for 5,316 yards. Is the effects of 22-plus seasons catching up to Tom Brady? Maybe. You don't see this. This isn't normal. No one does it at this level. Rodgers at 38, well, again, Tom Brady at 38 years old, was throwing 36 touchdowns and seven picks in New England. And Aaron Rodgers is two-time MVP here. So maybe Father Time is not tapping them on the shoulder, and there are a variety of other factors that come in uh, to play. By the way, here's one for you about father time, and it depends on the position. The last running back, the last running back, 31 years or older, 31 years or older, the last running back to have a 1,000-yard season 
31 or older. You want to guess that one? I have no idea. The last running back, 31 or older, to rush for 1,000 yards. The answer is 2018. Adrian Peterson, at the age of 33, with the Washington, then Redskins, ran for 1,042 yards. The oldest player to ever run for 1,000 yards. The oldest player. John Riggins. In 1984, when the NFL still played a 14-game schedule, ran for 1,239 yards at the age of 35 in 1984. 35 years old. Again, the oldest, 35. The last guy with the age of 31 was Adrian Peterson. And prior to that was Frank Gore at 31 in 2014 with the Niners. He ran for 1,106 yards. The oldest player to have a bit of 1,000 receiving yards. Jerry Rice at the age of 40 in 2002 had 1,211 yards with the Raiders. And he did it the year before with the Raiders with 1,139 yards. He was 40 and 39. Most recent to put up 1,000 yards over the age of 30 would be Larry Fitzgerald. In 2017, the age of 34, had 1,156 yards. Anquan Bolden in 2014 in San Francisco had 1,062 uh, yards. 4,000 yards as a quarterback. Well, that would be 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21 for Tom Brady. Three in New England, the last two uh, with Tampa Bay. Phillip Rivers at the age of 39 threw for 4,000 yards in 2020. Aaron Rodgers at 38 threw for 4,100 yards last year. For quarterbacks, yeah. You can get into your mid-late 30s and still fling it for over 4,000 yards in a passing era um, much more common than it is to do 1,000 yards in receiving and 1,000 yards as a running back. That one does jump out, that no one over the age of 31 other than Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore in the last 13 seasons. Then you got to go back to uh, Ricky Williams... In 2009, at the age of 32, had 1,121 yards for the Miami Dolphins. Again, I say this often about Brady, whatever the situation is with this year, you're never going to see it. I I don't believe Aaron Rodgers is playing seven more seasons. And whatever the year is for Brady, he's not embarrassing himself on the playing field. Now, the Bucs are three and four, but it's not, wow, that's really bad. They have other issues, but... You're not going to see this at the age of 40. You're not supposed to be doing this at that position in this game. Back with some notes and quotes to wrap up the Wednesday show next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Ratings for Amazon NFL games continue to drop. Drop upwards. 13 million with the Chiefs and Chargers in Week 2. Uh, now saw 7.8 million watch the Cardinals and the Saints. Tomorrow, the Bucks and the Ravens, I think, will do better. Because of the Brady factor? Yes, I think. And Lamar Jackson, I think he'll get probably closer to 10 million for that. Uh, the, the Bengals and the Dolphins game, 
People didn't rush to that because Tua's injury the week before it was a storyline, but that drew 11.7 million. Yeah, the Colts and Broncos get 9.7, the Commanders and Bears get 8.8, and the Cardinals and the Saints get 7.8. Those are just not, you know, big brands. Yeah. So, there you go. Oh, wow, I didn't know uh, Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker, they're still a thing. Good for them. All right. I, I have a hard time keeping up with all that stuff. Um, haven't seen it, but I know um, 9.3 million in the audience for House of Dragon final. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, that's all you need to say right now. Don't ruin it. Um, let's see. The Rock's daughter is on NXT? Yes. Is it Ava Rain? Uh, yes. Wow, look at you. Mm-hmm. Wow, Mr. Knowledge there, that one, huh? Kind of There's been a lot on social media about this, about her. about her day. Well, no, it's the, hey, do you want to feel old? <laughs> hmm. Last night, Steph Curry was at the free throw. I had missed a free throw in the first uh, three games, and Kevin Harlan mentioned that. Of course, you know what happened next. He missed a free throw. Mm. It's fault! Um... By the way, I saw the tweet of the person that you said reported about Russell Wilson on yeah. the plane. Yeah. I think someone on the Broncos texted that person that. I mean, the group that he uh, reports for, it, it, it's a Colorado, Denver-based sports site. Um, I think someone on the team that hates Russell Wilson, could be player, assistant, mm-hmm. whatever, operations person, sent that for him to put out there. I could see that. About him doing knee bends and stuff in a plane. And mm-hmm. Have you ever done the cross country flight or international flight and you see the guy that, you know, he's going to stand up in the aisle or go by the bathroom and, you know, he, he's going to stretch out? No. Yeah. No, because I, I, I told you this. I go to sleep. I don't like that guy. I fall asleep immediately on planes. How do you know when to wake up? You can you usually just tell. You never scared? Like, well, where are we? Barcelona? <laughs> I don't think it works that way. No? No. You think they have an obligation to wake you up? I will say, there was one time flying... I don't remember what airline it was. Uh, Actually, I think I know what airline it was. It's it's the the one where uh, you get a free check bag. One or two. That's true. Uh, I don't don't remember. Well, you get two on Southwest. Them. Okay. And we're flying somewhere, and then we stopped in Albuquerque. We didn't know we were stopping in Albuquerque at all, Mark. And just passengers got on. No one got off, but more came on. It's like, what is going on here? We got worried. Are we on a wrong? Are we on the wrong flight? And it's like, it's. They didn't like make a, a announcement. We'll be stopping and. No, they did. But it's just like, but that was n- nowhere on our ticket on our itinerary. Did it say anything about this? And it's like, did we get on the wrong flight? Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I like when I. Flew to Vegas mm-hmm. in, what was I there, August? Okay. On my ticket, it had MCO and then to Las Vegas, but I knew we were stopping in Houston. We didn't get off the plane. I think it should let you know. Yeah. If you go online and click where it says a stop, it'll tell you, but I don't think it's on your ticket. But did anyone get on or off? I don't uh No, yeah. Uh, See, on I, this, I'm pretty sure people got off. On this, no one got off and just people got on. Maybe you're on one of those planes going to a black hole somewhere that 
It would explain a lot that's happened. Wow. But it's just like, did we get on the wrong flight? It's like, no, I think it's impossible now to get on the wrong flight. Interesting uh, uh, seat assignment. Well, it wasn't interesting. Frank, the engineer, is in the window. Scott Adams in the middle and me in the aisle. Mm -hmm. Gary Paris originally assigned a middle seat. Yeah. Big Doc doesn't sit in the middle. Yeah. So here's what Gary does. He just tells the other two people in the row where they're sitting. Oh, nice. Gary's like, I'm going to sit in the window. Okay, you guys sit here. Like, maybe the guy who had the window might want to say, but Gary's like, I'm going to sit here. You guys just sit here. And they just did it? Yeah. Actually, John Heisler, the media relations guy and legend in the business, I think John had the aisle. He wanted to sit in the aisle. And the guy that had the window just... You got to let Gary make the call right there. But Gary's like, oh, you, you sit here. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. That's it for us today. Thanks for hanging out. Miss any of our program, uh, check out 96thegame.com. Also, for UCF fans, the new podcast with Terry Mahajer, Timo's Town Hall, is up. Uh, you can go to 96 on the game, and you'll find it on the podcast page, or just uh, go where you get your podcast and type in UCF night's podcast yep it'll pop up uh, there thursday show coming up tomorrow lots of football talk and set for college football weekend and more uh, glad you hung out with us so today scott produced on mark daniels to beat the sports